Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm John Russin. I serve as the host with my friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. And Frank, it's been some weeks since we've recorded. I know our listeners are listening to us week to week, but it's been three or four weeks since we've been together. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Uh, Busy summer for both of us. Blessed time at the same time. Indeed. It's good to be back. And friends, we trust that Father will reach out to you and just bless your socks off through our next Mm. discussion, (laughs) because he certainly has blessed our socks. And if you've just joined us, Frank and I have been chatting our way through the wonderful topic of suffering. And we've been looking at suffering from the perspective of a number of key people in Scripture. And Frank, we've looked at, of course, Jesus, Paul, Peter, Joseph, big hitters, the names you often hear associated with suffering in Scripture. But Frank, we're going to talk about a different person today. And this is Mary, the mother of Jesus and the wife of Joseph. My friend, I can't imagine a more misunderstood lady than our dear sister, Mary. Boy, countless millions call her blessed. But boy, Frank, as I've studied this in preparation, that blessing came with unprecedented suffering, didn't it, my friend? Oh, my goodness, John. Yeah, you know, we have so much of the church that, like you say, blessed is Mary. We have one denomination that has venerated her so much that they believe that she never sinned. And of course, she made a sin offering in the Gospels. But when we do that, we remove the incredible, just absolutely incredible testimony of this young Jewish girl who had tenacious faith in God and had to keep that faith within a culture that wouldn't tolerate the circumstance that she's about to find herself in. And that means shame, and it means dirty looks, it means gossip, slander, and all of it undeserved. So this is a a real real human being living in a very real fallen world where the Lord Jesus said, you can bank on it. You're going to have tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And this lady lives this out, John. And it's oh, it's exciting for you and I to be talking about it. I know. And I know neither you nor I as a woman, we will trust that the Holy Spirit will communicate the circumstances of this dear saint through us as we talk. Now, as I've looked, Frank, there are lots of Marys mentioned in Scripture, but there's not all that much mentioned about this one outside of the birth of the Savior and a few incidents throughout the Gospels. But I've got to ask the question. You raised four kids. I raised five. 
the Gospels tell us that Jesus had at least four other brothers. In fact, Mark records the names and two sisters. And so here you are, seven kids at least in a home where the big brother is the son of God (laughs) who doesn't do anything wrong. My goodness, what a nightmare. It's no wonder that John records later that his brothers didn't believe in him and his family members thought he was crazy. Guys, what do you think it's like? Put yourself in that position, Frank, to be in that home with this savior growing up and a mess of other kids who are just like you and me. Hey, you know, it's funny, John. One of the things a lot of kids hear growing up, and you probably heard it as well. I heard it. You know, why can't you be like your brother? <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> why can't you be like your sister? What a role model. And John, the thing I thought about this week and, and was meditating on, too, is I wonder if those kids were let in on what was going on, not so much maybe they revealed to him or tried to tell them that, you know, God is in the flesh in our home. But I wonder about the virgin birth. You know, when there is a sexual sin within a family, many times a couple of parents had to get married or something like that. A lot of times, in fact, maybe most of the time, parents do not reveal that because of the shame involved. But John, you know, I got to wonder because the culture would have been talking even if the parents didn't. And their culture was much less permissive than ours. We've had that whole counterculture movement from the 60s and, you know, the free sex and Jesus love and all that stuff that went on in the 70s. But in that culture, John, women were stoned when there was a confirmation of an adultery or a shame brought upon the family. And we see glimpses of it, even in John 4, that Samaritan woman that had to journey a mile every day to get her water pot filled. But there were six fresh springs in the village, but she didn't dare go to those springs because that's where the women and the men of the village were. We see it in John 8 with the woman caught in the act of adultery. And, and there again, you know, where's the man? And, you know, John, a sad, but there's always been that double standard within culture after culture that a guy sleeps around, he's a stud, a woman sleeps around, she's a bad word. And you just wonder if those kids knew from all the talk that in the stares and the looks that, you know, had to be going on. Yeah, it's hard to know, but looking at the family circumstance overall, I could say arguably is the most difficult parenting situation I could possibly imagine. Hmm. And so in Luke 1, when Gabriel shows up at Mary's house and says, hey, rejoice, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She had no idea Hmm. what being blessed among women was going to wrap up into. I want to start right there, Frank, and let's unpack that visit. You remember this girl, what, 14, maybe 15, Frank, in that culture to be betrothed and then to get married. They got married really young. So the angel shows up at the door and says this. And I tell you, my friend, if an angel shows up at my door and says, rejoice, O favored one, the Lord is with you, I'm going to be taken aback. 
and say, yeah. what on earth are you talking about? You know, later on, he says, don't be afraid. So this young lady was terrified, oh, yeah. greatly disturbed is what that word means there, that she was troubled. Who was this guy? What he's talking about? And so he's going to give her a, an amazing gift, a singular gift throughout history. But the blessing just starts out in fear and confusion. Mm doesn't it? And isn't that often the case, Frank, that God's gifts just start out in what we think is the worst possible nightmare, but he works within those circumstances to bring his purpose to pass, to bring good from what we call terrible. You've seen that. I know you have lots of times. Oh, yeah, John. You know, that's one of the most wonderful things Paul ever communicated in the second Corinthian letter. It was one thing for God to create life out of nothing in the Genesis account. And Paul makes reference to that, that God spoke light and life into being. But it's quite another thing to bring life out of death. And that's what God promises to do. The darkness cannot overcome his light. And he has promised that in this world, which it can be very dark, come with very painful packages as we unopen them, he has promised that those difficult circumstances, that we may have to walk in them, uh, maybe even for the rest of our lives, ultimately, he brings good out of them. He brings life out of death and light to overtake the darkness. And that's what's going to happen in Mary's life. He brings that blessing. Uh, you've been chosen. You're going to bear the son of God. And she's a virgin with child. And boy, John, that's a no deposit, no return package. But I got to wonder if it was for little Mary, if it was like, oh, can we choose somebody else? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what's behind door number two here? Gabriel's. <laughs> And so, you know, you and I have talked a lot, Frank, about, uh, you know, when sometimes God gives us a gift, it's wrapped in dark paper. And the last thing we want to do is open it. But this is what Gabriel is going to unpack for this precious sister of ours. So, of course, he says, don't be afraid. He comforts her. You found favor with God. This is what he's going to do for you. You'll conceive and bear a son and call his name Jesus. Okay, up to this point, I looked at this and said, well, if I were Mary, I'd be beginning to calm down right now because, mm -hmm. of course, I'm engaged. I'll be married soon, and I hope to have lots of children, and there are lots of kids named Yeshua, Jesus, so uh, maybe I'm feeling calm right now, but then <laughs> he just oh, drops the bomb. Hey, mm -hmm. guess what? Your child will be the son of God the son of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob and he will have an everlasting kingdom. Frank, she knows these titles. This has got to have rumbled that girl to her very soul. Talk about rocking her world and not in a good way. And this is what it means to be blessed among women. Wow. Mm. Yeah, those are all messianic terms, John, and, and especially that last one, the Davidic covenant, the promise of an everlasting throne. I can only imagine 
what was going on. I'm sure her heart skipped some beats. Her mind was probably just either racing or just unable to process at all. Uh, you know, sometimes when you have that traumatic event, and this would be traumatic, we have this thing called shock. And shock is a wonderful gift, John. It sort of puts our bodies, our brains into neutral until we have a chance to process. And boy, I got to wonder if that's what was going on with her, just to be the one to hear those words. It's just mind-boggling. Frank, as you know, it's been roughly 400 years mm -hmm. since the prophet Malachi. So for 400 years, the Lord has been silent, officially silent. And then all of a sudden, everybody's waiting for Messiah. But, you know, after how many thousands of years since the promise was made, you kind of not wait so hard. You don't look so hard anymore. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you know, he's going to come one day, but bang, it's you mm. and you're the one. And these are going to be the details because Mary sees the problem immediately. She's, you know, Joseph's not going to be the father of this baby. Mm. And she says, how? I, I've not known a man. And then he says, hey, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. I love that phrase, Frank. Mm. Overshadow you. Just like a hen stretches out the yeah, chicks to Psalm protect. 91. Oh, yeah. gosh, what a beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. Overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Frank, in the midst of her shock, in the middle of the, her whole world, upside, she's alone. No, mm -hmm. Joseph's not here. She says this, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Oh, may your word to me be fulfilled. I'm not sure I would have said that, my friend. <laughs> no, no. It, again, it just shows this beautiful heart of surrender to God. And, you know, John, I, I think we have to point this out because a, a lot of people are kind of poking not fun, but they don't like the word surrender. It makes it sound like God is uh, a despot and he's suppressing us. Uh, no, surrender is a choice of the will. It's a recognition on the part of humanity uh, who God is and therefore who they are. Paul will write later in the book of Romans, doesn't the potter have a right to do whatever he does with the clay and and mary has that kind of yieldedness to god i can't help but think of job you know when god revealed himself to job and you know something john's really really fascinating he says my you know my my eyes see now I used to say I knew you, I'd heard about you, but now I really see. And you know what's fascinating, John? He stops asking why. When we understand the character of God, our issue is not really a why, it's a who. And when we get that settled, the why just tends to dissipate. And we see that in so many people in scripture. And I think we see it right here in Mary. Then yeah. let it be done, because I, I know your character. 
and your character is completely good. Yeah. Now, I've got to say that I'm not sure she understood a lot of what was no. happening. I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking about, remember, the, the is it Job chapter one, when within 50 or 60 seconds, uh, Job loses mm-hmm. everything. His whole world is shattered. The same thing is happening to this young girl. An angel shows up. She's terrified. He calms her down. Then he lowers the boom. Her blessing, being the most blessed woman ever, immediately begins with suffering. Mm. She's in a situation she can't fix. She can't resolve. Certainly, she tells Joseph. And Joseph wants to put her away. He wants to just put her away privately. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because he doesn't believe her either. And so if the guy she's going to marry doesn't believe her and needs an angel to appear in the middle of the night to convince him, this is going to be a tough road to walk for this young girl. Wow. And so when she says things, I am the Lord's servant. Doulos is the word, my friend. Bond servant for life. Do unto me according to your word. Wow. You know, you said it before, submission. I think trust, I think a tremendous attitude, I think willingly to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because I know I'm not alone. Wow. I just look at this and I'm just stunned, Frank. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely stunned. And a couple of other passages jumped into my head when I was reading through this. Of course, Jesus in Gethsemane, you know, hey, Father, what's behind door number two? Nonetheless, not my will, but yours. Habakkuk says, hey, I got no food, no flocks, no cattle. Nonetheless, I will exalt thee. Mm. And Job, as you mentioned, even if he slays me, I will trust him. This is the heart. It's not common in scripture, but it's Mm -hmm. there in a few Mm -hmm. places. And it's in Mary. Mm. My goodness. What a testimony Mm. to just the, not only to the character of this young girl, Frank, but her parents who Mm -hmm. raised her in this way. My goodness. And folks wonder about whether it makes a difference to train their children up, (laughs) to know Mm. the name of the Lord. This Mm. is perfect example of what can happen when a heart at a young age is tuned to its father, isn't it? Mm. And John, we have to add That was a choice on the part of Mary. There is no guarantee for parents when we train our children because faith is a turnstile. And our hope is that it will bear fruit, but they have the choice. And Mary was one who chose. And I I think her attitude was really the attitude of Asaph, you know, in Psalm 73, who do I have in heaven but you, O Lord? And then that second wonderful phrase, who do I have on earth but you, O Lord? And for Mary, uh, this good news, which was bad news, (laughs) pregnant with a child, yet a virgin, she didn't have Joseph for a while. He didn't believe, like you said, until the angel came to him and said, nope, you're going to marry this girl, and it's true. And then he, too, had to make that choice to yield to God as a love slave of God and become a doulos himself and walk with this girl who's going to be his bride amidst a culture where there's going to be a whole lot of rejection. 
kudos to both of them and you know john ultimately to the holy spirit for working in their hearts and bringing them to a place of understanding of who God is and who he longs to be to them, much like we think happened to Joseph, as we talked a couple of weeks ago, on that caravan to Egypt, something happened, and that man yielded to God, just like Mary is right now. And it yeah. is a beautiful thing to see, John. <laughs> I wish I could yield to God like that, but I'm still in the school. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm still plan asking B for, learner. Yeah, plan B, plan C, plan D. What else you got, Father? I don't like any of these choices. <clears throat> but you know, Frank, that surrender, that word you used, I think about just a few verses later, Luke chapter one, we're going to wrap up with this. Luke chapter one, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, whom we know is, mm. is going to bear uh, John the baptizer. And they meet, and Mary launches into this incredible phrase. And it shows, when I looked at this, it showed to me what being a committed, surrendered bod servant to the King of Kings will do for you. Mm. She saw her role. She saw herself amazingly. She said, hey, my soul is not downtrodden. I'm not picked on. My soul magnifies the Lord, she mm. said. My spirit rejoices. So she saw herself. I'm blessed mm. among women. She mm. saw the truth about herself. And then she saw the fruit that would become of it. All generations, she said, are going to rise up and call me blessed. He has done great things. Frank, I can't imagine she said this. He has done great things for me. Despite all the trauma and turmoil that has already come and the decades long trauma and turmoil that is shown to follow, this young lady has had her focus cleared on who she is and who her God is. And I think, my friend, that all rooted back to her decision to say, yes, sir, I'm the Lord's bondservant. Wow. What a testimony to what Father can do to a heart that yields to him. Yeah. You know, John, in the Old Testament, there is that passage that talks about the slave who is a slave by choice. And that would be the New Testament corollary of the bondservant. It's a slave by choice. You know, the slave in the old book had been freed, but he said, you know what? My master is so good. I'm going to choose to stay with my master for the rest of my life. And they would put that uh, all to his ear and he would get that ring in his ear to testify to everybody when they saw it. I'm a slave by choice because of love. And I just think it's interesting, John, but in our new covenant age, this age of where we're communicating the grace of God, you know, we've had to hammer an identity that we're saints because we had a church that was so prolifically calling us sinners. So we had to prolifically say we're saints. But it's interesting, John, I counted recently, there are more references in the New Testament that we are bond slaves than there are that we are saints. Mm. Slaves to God by choice, 
because of love. Wow. And we see that in Mary. Yes, we do. And I guess there's one last question that pops into my mind, Frank, as I we wrap this up. And I got to ask it. I don't have an answer for it, but I got to ask it. When suffering arrives on our doorstep, like a Gabriel arrived, when our dreams for a beautiful marriage to Joseph go up in smoke, when our plans and goals just don't materialize, how do we respond? Hmm. You know, I don't have an answer to that, but I think each one of our listeners needs to prayerfully consider that question and the model of Mary and mm. how this young girl, gosh, Frank, a child girl, stepped out in faith and trusted her father when she had no idea what she was facing, but it wasn't going to be good. My goodness. Wrap us up, my friend, then we'll close out. Well, I think, John, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. We should be focused on today, but I actually am looking forward to next week because God didn't leave her alone in the journey. He provided encouragement every step of the way. And that's what God is going to do with us as well. That's, I guess, what I would leave with the listeners today. It's not just a matter of yielding in the moment. It's that when you yield in the moment, you have a God who steps into that moment and promises to be with you, to comfort you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. He doesn't just dump something in your lap. I think of the Thessalonian letter, fifth chapter, where Paul said, he will be faithful to accomplish what he's called you to. That's our God. And Mary's going to find that out. Amen. Thank you, my friend. And dear ones, you've been listening to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Please, if Father has ministered to you today, check out our website. It's brand new, ourresolutehope.com. And there you'll find lots of other resources that will help you walk the path of a trusting your Savior, Jesus, as not only your Lord, but your very life. Follow mm -hmm. us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. New stuff goes up there periodically. Ring the bell so you don't miss any updates that we put up there. And finally, we close, as always, with this reminder from uh, the letter to the Hebrews that we have a hope as an anchor for our souls. It's a living hope. Peter calls it, Frank and I call it a resolute hope. And this hope, of course, is Jesus. So today and always, Choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.